In our text today, the same enemy, the same Satan that tempted Adam and Eve, he's called the first Adam. And this time he comes to Jesus, who is called the second Adam. And I, this, this is just my opinion, okay? I think Jesus looks like Adam. But this is my opinion, right? Don't, don't argue with anyone about it. <laughs> I think Satan, in Luke chapter 4, the passage that we've, we've read, let me just open my, my Bible here to Luke chapter 4. Jesus, if you go just back in verse 21, chapter 3, just to create the background for this, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. So Jesus is baptized. The heavens open. The Holy Spirit comes in the form of a dove so that people could see. And the Father affirms him with a voice. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. Jesus is being presented to the world as a son of God. The enemy hears that. He sees that. And the Bible tells us now in chapter 4, Jesus full of the Holy Spirit, left Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Where for 40 days he was tempted. For 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days and at the end of them he was hungry. So, he has been declared as the son of God. And then he is led by the Holy Spirit to the, to the desert, a desolate place. Where we are told he is tempted for 40 days. He fasts while in the desert. He's full of the Holy Spirit. He fasts. He doesn't eat. He doesn't drink. So physically, he is weak. Spiritually, he is very strong. And that's usually the right time for the enemy to attack. The enemy attacks when you are spiritually very strong. You are on top of your game. You are faithful. You are doing Everything you know that the Lord wants you to do, but physically there is a lot going on in your life. 
Your relationships are not where they should be. Your finances are not where they should be. Your children are getting sick. Maybe you don't have a job. Maybe your, your marriage has conflict. So those are the moments that the enemy wants to attack. You know why? Because he knows that if everything is going on well, when everything is going on well for you, he won't have a chance. And his goal is to distract you. So he looks for those opportunities. The enemy does not waste time with people who are not spiritually strong because they are already submitting to him. He looks for those ones who are standing. He looks for those ones who are in prayer, submitting to the Lord. Those are the ones he wants. Jesus is spiritually strong here, but the Bible tells us that he is hungry. Physically, he is weak. And guess what the enemy does when he comes to fear? Now, you should know that we don't know here whether Satan was there physically or he was there. It was just the thoughts coming in. We, we should know that. Forget about what you see in the movies. Satan comes to Jesus in verse 3. He's called the devil, the deceiver, the accuser of brethren. He says, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. He knows that he is hungry. And listen to what he does. He attacks his identity as the son of God. If you are the one that has been pronounced there as the son of God, then you can do this. You are hungry. Go ahead and turn these stones into muffins. And eat. He wants Jesus to rely on himself. He wants Jesus to provide for his material needs instead of relying on the Father. When you look at John chapter 5 verse 19, Jesus says very clearly, he says, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the, whatever the father does, the son also does. John chapter 5:19. In chapter 8 verse 28, John Jesus says, "I do nothing on my own, but what I say what I speak is what the Father has taught me. 
something that we need to know about Jesus as the Son of God. When he was on earth in flesh, he was relying fully on the Father. Because Philippians chapter 2 tells us that he emptied himself. He still was God and he was man, but he was relying on the Father because when he came down, he emptied himself. He unveiled his glory. He left his glory. Uh, he veiled, his glory was veiled. Let me say that. He left his power with, with the Father. That's why when he was going to the cross at the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane, when he was praying, he said, if it were my will, I would wish that this cup be taken away from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. That is one way we are shown that he is submitting to the Father's will. Because he was fully relying on his Father. Everything he was doing, he was doing at the discretion of the Father. And so here, the enemy sees him, and he knows. He knows that he once succeeded in the Garden of Eden when he attacked a man that God has created and provided for everything. The enemy here thinks that he can succeed too. And he focuses on the area of his weakness. Turn these stones into bread. Not for me, for yourself. You need it. It's a very skilled, I would say, temptation. The enemy wants Jesus to do God's ministry in his own power. It is an expression of lack of trust in the Father. And listen to how Jesus responds to Satan. He says in verse 4, referring to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3 and 4, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. In Deuteronomy, it says, man shall not li live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the, the mouth of the Lord. Now, Jesus is not saying that uh, I don't need food, I need God's word. He's pointing the enemy to God's faithfulness. Living by the word of God means trusting what God has said. It means believing that the Lord will supply all our needs. It means that the Lord can provide. I don't have to do this for myself. Did someone say amen? It's like I had someone who said. 
<laughs> oh, that's sad. Jesus tells, he's referring to the Deuteronomy where Moses is, is speaking to the Israelites. Encouraging them to trust in the provision of the Lord. And when he says man shall not live by bread alone, he's not just saying that you need bread and the word. He's saying you can focus on the bread, but what you need is the word of God. If you can trust in that, your bread will be provided because God has promised to provide. And so he points the enemy to the scriptures. But the enemy is prepared. He is very prepared. He attacks Jesus again. He says in verse 5, the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all the authority and splendor. The beauty and the power. I will give it to you because it has been given to me. And I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will be yours. There's a catch. If you submit to me, I will give it to you. See, the enemy realizes here that Jesus is submitting to the Father. His first response points him to his submission to the Father. And now he entices him to submit to him. The enemy is doing what we have heard someone say. There's always a free cheese on a mouse trap. If you submit to me, I will give you everything. He wants Jesus to win the world without the pain of the cross. He wants Jesus to think that he can win the world without dying on the cross. He wants Jesus to think that he can avoid all the pain, all the suffering, and still have the kingdom. It's a temptation that is very easy for us to fall into. Because I tell you, we like shortcuts. Students, you would love to pass your exams without doing any work. If, if we could just pray for you and all the answers come, you would love that. You know, I remember when we were so poor and I would be thinking, suppose some people robbed a bank 
And then they hid the money somewhere. And then I would be the one to find that money. It would solve our problem. Thinking of easy ways that could solve our problem. It's a temptation that we can easily fall into. You are at work. Someone makes a mistake that will cost them, but it can benefit you. You are tempted to take advantage. The enemy is presenting to Jesus the kingdom and the splendors of this world. And he tells him, you can have it. Just worship me. The temptation that people fall into, you, you look into the world of uh, stardom, the music industry and all, and you hear the stories that take place and the things that people do to become stars. Rest your heart. The enemy does not give anything for free. Jesus responds, referring again to Deuteronomy chapter 6, where Moses was warning the Israelites against worshiping idols. And he says to the enemy, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Again, he points the enemy to the fact. The enemy is not done. He is prepared. And he has followed Jesus' argument. He has listened to his responses. And he realizes Jesus has been using the scriptures. Successfully. And so he decides to use the scripture too. In his third temptation, the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. In Psalm 91, the enemy knows scriptures too. Now he's pushed Jesus to a corner as far as he's concerned. Because he's, you, you, you want to obey God's word, right? Here it is. It says so clearly that God will send his angels to guard you. Just throw yourself. If you are the son of God, of course. If you are not, don't try. (laughs) 
He wants Jesus to advance his ministry by compromising God's word. He wants Jesus to advance his ministry by compromising God's word. He wants Jesus to force God to act. He wants Jesus to put God to the test. And Jesus responds He says, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. From Deuteronomy 6, 16. How many times are we tempted to put the Lord to the test? Have you ever felt like doing something so that people could know that you are a Christian? I saw one pastor on YouTube, he was preaching and he wanted to prove to the people what the Bible says in the book of Mark. I think it's Mark 16, so that uh, those who believe will take on snakes. They will be beaten, but they won't be harmed. And he came with a snake. And as he was preaching, it's on YouTube, you can actually see it. As he was preaching, holding that snake, it, it, was a, it was very powerful. But the snake bit him somewhere here, and he started bleeding. Eventually, he died. That's putting God to the test. It's when we know what the Lord has said about an issue. He's told us, do not do this. And then I go ahead and do it. And I tell myself, if I fail, I will still turn to the Lord for help. God will still help me. And God has promised to rescue us, but we cannot test him with our disobedience. We shouldn't. And believers do that. We, we, we are tempted because we know this thing. We know these things. We know what the Lord expects of us. But sometimes we, it's so attractive. And we start believing that lie that I, I can do it and get away with it. We put the Lord to the test. And then we want to turn to the Lord for help. And God will still minister to us. But at sometimes when we do that, we give God's enemies a reason to blaspheme. 
Satan wants Jesus to test God. Just throw yourself. Obey the word and you will force him to keep it. Have you ever been tempted to step out in faith so that people could see how strong you are? Show the world that you believe in God. How many of us would have wanted to walk on water? And I'm not talking about frozen water here. Most people that attempt to to want to show usually end up failing and it becomes a shame. And one of the reasons we will want to show or will be tempted to show it's because we don't want to submit. And Jesus says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. What do you do when Satan knocks at your door? Look at Ecclesiastics Ecclesiastics 7.20. The Bible says, indeed, there is no one on earth who is righteous. No one who does what is right and never sins. The first time I read that passage, I read it twice. In Hebrews 4.15, we are told that Jesus was tempted just like we are, and yet he did not sin. Because there was no sin in him. The difference between you, me, and Jesus is that you and me have sin in us. We have the sinful nature. The want to do wrong. That we inherited from our great, great great-grandfather Adam. We have the sinful nature in us. And because of that sinful nature, we have sinful desires. There is a want to do wrong. That's what makes us different from Jesus. Because there was no, even though he was tempted like us, there was no sinful desire in him that comes from the sinful nature that we we have inherited. It's also called the fallen condition. That's what we have. 
right? Romans 3, 23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So because of that sinful nature, there are things that will always attract us. Let me give you an example. If you are, if you are a thief before you got saved, you are a thief, you are stealing things. Then you got saved, you stopped. The desire to steal will always be there. That you, you can go with someone in to say, say we go uh, we go shopping with you. Or yeah, let's say I'm the one who who was a thief before, but now I'm saved. And I go shopping with you, I will still be tempted to steal. Deep inside that desire is still there. I'll be seeing things and something tells me you can steal that. Because the enemy will be enticing you in the area of your desire. Because that's the area of your weakness. I don't know if this makes sense. Like if you've never been a thief, you can walk and see stuff and you won't even be bothered. But if you have been, you will find yourself restraining yourself because that desire is coming. It's the same thing if you are a drug addict, for example, and then you are rehabilitated. You became a Christian. You are serving the Lord. If you go to a place where people are having drugs, you will be tempted. You may not fall, but you will. You will There's something going on in you because the enemy knows the area of your weakness and he's knocking at you. He's inviting you. He focuses on the areas of our weakness, the areas of our sinful desire. If you like talking evil about others, that's where the enemy will come through. That's what makes the difference between you, me, and Jesus. So when we look at Jesus... And how he overcomes, there is something that we can learn from him. In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews 2.18, because he suffered, Hebrews 2.18, because he suffered when he was tempted, he can help those who are being tempted. We can look at him and find our help. The temptations that we face are meant to make us rely on ourselves, not to rely on God. Rely on ourselves. 
we are tempted to rely on ourselves and everything about God's word is meant us is meant to help us rely on God. God is teaching us in his word that we should not rely on ourselves. Do not lean on your own understanding. Another temptation that we face is to to doubt our salvation. Is there a day that you've just looked at yourself and you, am I really saved? If I'm saved, why am I not like this or like that? Why don't I feel this? Why am I going through this? Sometimes those thoughts from within, come from the enemy wanting you to doubt your own salvation. I have seen this when people are at their lowest point in life, mostly when people are dying, they start questioning. I remember one person telling me, I don't even remember when I got saved. I remember one asking me, I just want to know if I will really go to heaven. These are people on their deathbed because the enemy wants to make them doubt. And even some of us, we do doubt our own salvation. The other temptation that we face is to question God's word and disobey it. You first question it, and then you disobey it. Question it so that you can doubt it and disregard its authority, and then you'll have a reason to disobey it. And in a culture where everyone's opinions count, it's very easy to refer to God's word as someone's opinion. Because if you can do that, then you can follow your own opinion. So for us to overcome this temptation for us to withstand the knocks of the enemy when he's inviting us to submit to him. We need to do what Jesus did, and that is submit to the Father. Our victory swings on the hinges of our submission. If as a Christian, you learn to submit to God, you will be able to withstand the attacks of the enemy. If we learn to submit to the Lord, the Lord becomes the person that we run to for help. 
every time. That's what Jesus is doing here. He's, Jesus is not just quoting scriptures. Let me tell you, when you are tempted, you can quote all the scriptures you, are, you, you want. All the scriptures you've memorized in Awana, you can quote them. That will not stop you from falling. It is obeying those scriptures that will keep you safe. It is submitting to what God has said that will protect you. Not just knowing. Knowing is good, but knowing is not enough. You can know all the scriptures. If you're not applying them in your life, there will be no change. Change happens when we take God's word and we act on it. Our victory swings on the hinges of our submission to God's word. Therefore, I would encourage you to ask yourself every time you are tempted, every time there's an evil thought that comes to your mind, every time you feel like you're being pulled to hate someone, or you're being pulled to disobey the Lord. Every time that happens, you will know when it happens. Just ask yourself, what does God say about this? And you know we live in a very technological world. So if you don't have the answer, just take your phone. What does God say about hating someone? You will find the answer right there. Every time you are tempted to fall, ask yourself, what does God say about this? And then my hope and prayer is you will choose to submit to what God says. And I'm telling you, as young people, and I, all of you who may not be very young, it will help you. It will keep you safe. You will avoid a loss of stress. Because most of the stress we face we bring it to ourselves. What does God say about this? Take your phone, Google it. Because our victory swings on the hinges of our submission to God's word. Father, I thank you.